All right. Well, hi, Kathy. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, just to introduce myself, my name is Verinda Gupta, and I worked at Visa for many years on the credit cards team, but I'm a very young person. I'm a 28-year-old woman, and there's a lot that I learned when I was working at Visa that kind of demystified the financial services industry for me. And kind of a funny story, I was working on the Chase Sapphire Reserve card, and I applied for it, and I got rejected when I was there. And so... I really wanted to share my experience with other women and other young people just to help them understand a little bit about how the system works because when you know, then it makes a little bit more sense. And as we will go into talking about, credit is really important in your life and having access to capital, access to a credit card can make all the difference. So I have Kathy um, and I'll let her introduce herself. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Brenda. Um, As Brenda mentioned, or actually you haven't mentioned that I just realized. <laughs> um, so we uh, are currently working together at IDEO CoLab, uh, and my background uh, is in mechanical engineering and uh, HCI. So I came to the US actually uh, when I was 13 by myself. My family didn't immigrate, so after coming here, uh, besides my parents sort of sending money uh, from overseas, um, I sort of had to manage um, the, the finance side by myself. Um, and after coming to college, a lot of people around me are starting to get credit cards and I have no idea where to start or uh, it's, on, it's, just, it's a very intimidating process as an international student, uh, Lenny alone, a um, young adult uh, trying to figure things out um, relating to things relating to money. And actually, also a fun fact, my mother uh, works uh, for a bank, um, but for some reason she hasn't taught me any of these things about um, credit cards and credit scores. So yeah, so I've been looking online on uh, which credit card to choose, what's the best first credit card, but all this information is uh, a lot to digest. Um, And I think... uh, not having anyone to sort of walk me through things um, is is a quite a challenge. Um, so, yeah. So why don't we? Um, I'm I'm curious about uh, sort of in general why should someone like me uh, with sort of no little to no knowledge of uh, how credit scores uh, work uh, or how the credit card application works, um, why should they even care about it? Why couldn't we just send spending money out of debit card, which I currently do, um, just you know, taking money out that way? Yeah, yeah, well, thank you for sharing your story. It's really, I think it's a story that a lot of us can resonate with. And I immigrated here from India with my parents when I was very young, and they were able to navigate the financial system, but they were learning as well, especially I was the oldest child, so they were really trying to figure out how do you build credit for someone who is kind of new to the system, doesn't have really anything saved up. Um, so I'm really happy to share share whatever I know. And just to caveat this um, from a legal perspective, I'm not a financial advisor. So this is just from my experience and what's worked, but I have done a lot of research into the space on best practices. As I mentioned, I've worked on credit cards, so I feel pretty confident in what I'm saying. And if I'm not confident, I will also share that. (laughs) 
So going to your question about why you should care. So credit is a tricky thing where you don't realize how important it is until you need it. And at that point, it's too late. So it's this kind of chicken and egg scenario where you kind of need some credit history in terms in order to get access to credit, right? And when you think about major life events like getting a car or let's say you want to buy an iPhone and you want to do it on installment loans, there's going to be some sort of credit check involved. Or if you want to get an apartment or in the future you want to finance a mortgage on a house, building credit early is super, super important. And in the near term also, if you want to get those high value kind of sexy credit cards, you need to start somewhere. And going back to kind of that chicken and egg scenario, if you apply for those shiny cards, then likely you'll get rejected, it'll hurt your credit score, and then your score will get worse, and then you're just not, it's just really tough once you start, once your credit starts going down, it's really hard to bring it back up. So that's why it matters for important life events. Does that answer your, answer your question? Yeah, interestingly, that's what I've heard from my peers as well is, that they get rejected and um, because of their poor credit history. And, and that's, that's really frustrating because it's like you're being penalized for your uh, lack of knowledge, so to say. And um, maybe we could talk a little bit more about given that, knowing that it's like a chicken and egg thing, right? It's even more intimidating to make the first step. And then how do you go about choosing the right first credit card mm-hmm. to you know, then support your later on decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So I think before diving into kind of the specifics of which credit card, which we'll definitely get into, I think it's really important to have a good grasp on what goes into credit scores because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think just talking about some of the myths might be helpful. And I actually think it might be kind of fun. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Maybe this is cheating because I know we chatted a little bit about it before. (laughs) But maybe I'll see like true or false. Tell me what you think. And I'm curious to hear your logic around it. And then I can like tell you from a bank's perspective what they're thinking. Does that that sound fine? Game is always fun. Okay, sounds good. So um, true or false, if you close a credit card, let's say you're upgrading to a new credit card, is it better or worse for your credit history to close a card that you're not using? I would think very intuitively I would close it because if I'm not using it and I'm not spending with using that credit card, um, then a credit card company might not, um, you know, might my, my, my see it as uh, I don't have the ability to spend and then not, you know, maybe start charging annual fees because I'm not reaching certain threshold. So, yeah, I would say no. Yeah, so, and I thought that way too, but that is false. So actually, one of the worst things that you could do for your credit score is closing a credit card because one of the key factors going into your credit history is the age of your oldest account, which indicates to lenders like banks how much experience you have handling credit. 
So one of the things that is a best practice, especially when you become a parent, is opening up a credit card in your child's name as an authorized user early on. And so your length of credit is really long. So for example, I'm 28 and my length of credit is 24 years because my parents did that for me. So, um, and I think that's also a matter of privilege, right? Where like my parents knew to do that and Mm -hmm. that's not unfortunately true of everyone regardless of like best intentions so um, but what you can do on that is that when you have ownership of your finances never close your cards just leave them in a drawer somewhere don't touch them but don't cancel them because that is going to affect your score so what actually happens when you leave a card open uh when do you you know periodically swipe that card or you know, what is that? What actually happens? Yeah. Yeah. So there's two things. So if you have a card that doesn't have an annual fee, then nothing really happens. And one of the analytics that banks look at is their number of open accounts. And then of course there's number of active accounts, which is much less than that, but really active cards is a metric that banks look at. And so for them, keeping it open is also like goes into their success factors. But the second piece is if you have a card that has an annual fee, and we'll get to this later, you don't want to just keep on being charged that annual fee. So I'm going to caveat this with this this advice I'm giving is going to be once you have kind of established credit, it's okay to get cards with annual fees and then close them and then open other ones. Your score is going to take a hit temporarily And in about six months, if you exhibit good behavior and you're not opening other too many other accounts, then your score will recover. But you will see a hit immediately because the bank is seeing you as like risky behaviors, right? Why are you closing accounts? Why are you opening accounts? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Um, So later on, when you have more of a leeway to do that with your score, you can close cards. But I would recommend upfront, I would recommend against getting cards with annual fees that you're going to keep on paying even if you get another card. I know that was kind of convoluted. Did that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And then I'm kind of curious on the um, extreme end where you just open up a bunch of credit cards yeah. and just leave them open. Yeah. Right? You only use one out of, you know, I don't know, seven, eight of them. Yeah. Uh, is that just considered as a common behavior or maybe um, should you just spread out the you know the time mean between opening new credit cards or how how, do people actually take advantage of this and then you know keep opening new credit cards every I don't know several months yeah so you see this a lot when they're introductory offers like sign up bonuses Mm -hmm. right and it's very tempting to be oh you know I, I want the sign up bonus this is so cool let me just keep on opening a bunch of credit cards and let me let's say you didn't know, you didn't listen to this podcast and you closed all of your other cards, right? So this goes back to what goes into your credit score. So in addition to your length of credit, there's also recent inquiries. So in that, um, lenders like banks tend to see too many recent inquiries as a sign of risk. Mm -hmm. So the fewer, the better. And then also in terms of new accounts, that's another factor that goes in to lenders opening too many new accounts in a short window of time could point to credit problems. So when you're trying to make decisions, think about it from a bank's perspective or think if this were your friend you were lending money to, right? And all of a sudden your friend's like borrowing a ton of money or like 
closing a bunch of cards, just kind of behaving erratically in a short amount of time, you might be you might be concerned, right? Do I still want to lend this person money? And so that's really where the banks are coming at it from. Um, so just being intentional as to not opening and closing accounts too frequently and to put a tangible amount of time on that, I would say don't open or close a new account in the span of six months. Just give it six months check your credit score. There are a ton of really great credit score checking websites. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite one is actually one from Capital One. It's called Capital One's Credit Wise. And it's open to anyone. You don't have to have a Capital One account. And it actually shows you what goes into your credit score. Um, it'll show you your credit score as it is today. And the coolest part for me is it shows you, your. you can simulate. So you can say, okay, let's say I open up two new accounts, or I utilize a greater percentage of my credit score, how does that affect, or of my credit line, how does that affect my credit score? And it's really cool to just be able to see like, hey, if I did this, then this is what the impact would be, positive or negative. Or if there's good behaviors, like using less of your credit line, then you can see how that might affect your credit score, especially if you're trying to apply for a new credit card and you're trying to see if you're within the range, then it directionally is really helpful just to kind of demystify the entire what goes into your credit score, where are you and where could you be from a simulator perspective. So um, Capital One's Credit Wise is awesome, not sponsored. I just am <laughs> a true fan of the amount of transparency that Capital One has shown with this product. So you mentioned the term credit line. Mm-hmm. Um, could you explain a little more what that is? Yeah. So when you go to apply for a credit card, the banks will assess how risky you are based on different factors, but primary of which is your credit score. And using that, they'll think about how much credit they want to extend you. So let's say you apply for a card at Capital One. Let's say you apply for the Quicksilver card, for example, and you're approved and they say, okay, Kathy, you can have $10,000 a month because that's how much we feel you will be able to pay back based off of your risk history and also based off of our proprietary risk scoring algorithm, which each bank has. That's really like their secret sauce as to how they determine your risk. So the credit line, if you are approved for, let's say, $10,000, then your utilization is the percentage of that that you're using every month. So let's say you're using $3,000 of the $10,000, then you're using 30% of your credit line, right? And in terms of another factor that goes into your credit score, um, your credit utilization is huge. So banks will be looking for signs of responsible credit usage. And the less you use, the better it is for your score. Um, And that's kind of an interesting insight, right? Because a lot of people are like, oh, even if I'm using all of it, then I'm paying it back and that should be good for my credit score. But actually what that shows to banks is like, why are you needing to utilize so much of this credit? Like if you're able to use less of it and you're able to pay it back on time and you are not maxing out your credit cards every month, then you're less risky. Which is also like, if you go back to the friend analogy, if I'm like, Kathy, here's $10,000 and then you use all of it, I'd be like, what? <laughs> like versus what hap- yeah. versus if you only use $3,000, you are like, hey, actually, I only need $3,000. Here's a $7,000 back. I'd be like, oh, Kathy, she's so responsible. I would, yeah, I'm happy to give her like maybe even a little bit more next time. And the last thing I'll say on this is 
Sometimes there'll be credit line increases where your bank will proactively call you and say, oh, Kathy, you've had this Cap One Quicksilver card. You had $10,000. Now you're approved for $15,000. That is actually a really good thing because it reduces your utilization and that boosts up your credit score. So if your bank calls you to offer you more, that's a good thing for your credit history. And if you don't believe me, you can check out the Cap One credit simulator, mm-hmm. credit wise simulator. Um, and then secondly, you can actually proactively call your bank, not right after you get the card, but after maybe six months and say, hey, I would love a credit line increase. Am I approved for that? They will run your credit score. They'll do a credit check again. And then at that point, you might be eligible for more and that'll be good for your credit score. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, information you just said there. And then I think definitely one of the myths is that a lot of people don't actually realize that you shouldn't spend as much as what your bank offers. Mm -hmm. So how much, uh, I think I've heard 60% is a good, or you said 30% earlier. 30%, yeah. So 30% is kind of a sweet spot. And again, these aren't hard and fast rules, right? It's not like, oh, every six months, um, six months is the time to wait to open or close a card or, um, uh, yeah, there's just like, there's not really Mm -hmm. hard and fast rules. But I would say for credit utilization, keep it at about 30% and you'll be safe. Interesting. And yeah. I think another myth is probably the uh, sort of the limit that your bank. Uh, your credit line? Yeah, exactly. Your, yeah. your, your credit line mm-hmm. is uh, sort of equivalent to your credit score, which is not the case at all. So the score, the score is um, um, like we've talked about. Uh, influenced by so many factors, mm-hmm. not just a credit line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also just to go kind of like really to the basics. Credit scores are determined by credit rating bureaus. So think Equifax, think TransUnion. Those are the ones who are really going and aggregating all of your scores. And that's coming also, obviously, credit lines go into that, but other things go into it too, like bill pay, for example, that'll go into it. Or if you have student loans, that'll go into it as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just one of many factors that go into each bank's proprietary risk scoring algorithm. So yes, they will take your score into account, but they'll also take into, let's say going back to Capital One example, Capital One will also know, oh, Kathy, have you banked with us before? If you have, then probably they'll be more likely to approve a card um, in your name because you already have a relationship. So that's Mm -hmm. another factor that might go into it. Yeah, so I know we talked a lot about credit scores, um, and I'd like to move on to maybe credit cards. Yeah. Um, but before we move on, are there any other things you'd like to um, mention about credit scores and uh, other factors that could influence credit scores or references? So one of the key insights that I had um, that I think is really important to share is the question of whether or not to be an authorized user on your parents' credit card. And as I mentioned, it's good if they do that very kind of early on in life and then your length of credit is there, as I mentioned with my like 24 out of 28 years. But there are better ways to start building credit in your own name because as an authorized user, again, thinking from a bank's perspective, they are the onus is really on your parents or on the primary user of the card so if you don't pay the bank has no idea and so they it's still affecting the primary user score and not your score as much 
So I think there are, I know that there are better ways to build your credit score and being an authorized user is one way, but it's not necessarily the most effective way in terms of boosting your score and getting that card you want. Yeah, I think that kind of perfectly leads to the second part of it, which is the how do you apply credit card and how do you even choose your first credit card? So take my scenario again, my parents haven't done this, you know, um, opening up the credit card under my name at a, you know, when I was little. So in that case, what should you look at when you choose um, the credit card, first credit card? Yeah, so I'll say two things. The first one is there are a ton of resources online that help you choose the right card for you. And I want to stress that not all cards are created equal. And that's not only in terms of the value of the card, but it's the value to you. So for example, there might be the best credit card out there and you're getting a ton of airline miles, but if you don't travel, then that's not really valuable to you. So really thinking through how you're gonna be spending is very important. And then there's some great tools online. So let's say for example, NerdWallet has some really good quizzes where you will be able to just go through and talk about how you're spending, where you want to spend, what's important to you, and you can actually understand what the different options are. So that's the first thing I would urge. The second item is considering a secured card. So have you heard of a secured card? Do you know what it is? No. Okay. I know a student card, but uh, which is pretty popular among students, college students. But yeah, no, never heard of secure card. So a secure card, secured card is a very powerful financial tool that was actually created to help people build their credit very quickly. It's not well publicized today because it's not a huge money maker for banks. And usually it's people who are new to credit or people who have had troubles, trouble with credit in the past. So they're trying to rebuild or it'll be immigrants who come from different countries and their scores don't transfer over. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily your, your money-making population, basically. So for banks, it's not, necessarily, it, it's not necessarily smart marketing for them outside of new customer acquisition. But for you and for all of our listeners, getting a secured card is very powerful because basically what it shows to a bank is your behavior and it allows the bank to create a risk score around you and it also builds your kind of traditional risk score with a FICO, a FICO score and like TransUnion and all the different bureaus. And essentially how a secured card works is that you put down your own collateral basically. So let's say I get a secured card or I apply for a secured card and I put down a thousand dollars that my credit line or the amount that I'm able to spend every month or the amount that the bank is willing to lend to me is $1,000. But if I default, that $1,000 that I put in will go to paying that off and then they'll shut down my account. So you're pretty much backing, you're securing, which is where a secured card name comes from. You're securing your own, your own, I guess spending, and so the bank is not taking any risk on you. And for that reason, if you're a new to credit person or a person who's trying to rebuild your credit, then it's a good bet for you because you'll likely get approved. 
and then you'll build your credit pretty quickly. So if you use a secured card properly and that you're paying it off in full on time every month, you're not maxing it out, you're doing the 30% thing, if you're able to do all of that, then in six months, you can have a pretty decent credit score. You can go from a zero to maybe a 7, 720 or 730, which puts you really in kind of the good to excellent range. Um, so it's a really powerful tool to start off. So what are, um, so you mentioned uh, about the $1,000 you put in um, as the amount you anticipate that you will spend. And uh, could you elaborate even more on how you even determine that amount and how you will even present that to the bank? And is that even up to you to decide how much, you know, uh, you want to put in? So I think it differs secured card to secured card. And Nerd Wallet and the likes do have even comparisons for secured cards. And so there's some that don't have annual fees, for example, and it's very low. It's like four or $500 you can put on it. There are other cards that you actually pay, other secured cards that you actually pay an annual fee on. And then you can put up to, I think the highest one I saw was $20,000 or something. And that would be for like, let's say you are a 40-year-old woman who's moving from London, who was a partner at a consultancy, obviously makes a ton of money, but moves here and doesn't have access to credit. So maybe she would go for one of these really higher limit secured cards um, to build credit very quickly. Uh, and as I mentioned, one of the factors that goes into your credit score is the amount of credit line that you have in your utilization. So if you have $20,000 on it, then you'll be building your credit a lot faster than if you just have $400. And if you think about a 30% utilization on 400, mm -hmm. it's very low, right? So you really um, just have to find the card that works for you. So what about the student card? Um, obviously, you're advocating a lot for the secure card, yeah. but I think student card is obviously popular for it's you know reasons um how would you compare the secure card with the student card out there so i think it depends on what your goals are so if you see a student card and there's some sort of rewards on it that you think are valuable then you can do that but you also need to think about do you see yourself being a person who wants a high value credit card where you're getting rewards and you're getting miles and you're actually getting value out of this card using a a student card you might not be able to build your credit as quickly or as fast as you would with a secured card just because again the bank is taking more risk on you with a secured card or sorry with a student card and so you're not able to exhibit your behaviors as strongly as you are with a secured card. So that being said, student cards are great, but if it were me and I were to go back again, I would, so you can get a credit card under your own name when you're 18. When I'm 18, I would have applied for a secured card, asked someone, my parents, friends, whoever had some money to loan me $2,000. I'd put that on a secured card. I would use it properly. I would monitor it on this credit wise tool and see how I'm building. And the second my score got into a range of another card that actually has rewards and benefits and a higher value, then I would upgrade. And I would be very proactive about when I was able to upgrade and I would just move my way through the tiers of credit cards and get to one that got me the most miles, the most points, the best benefits. But that's me, right? For someone else, maybe they just want 
maybe you just want an Amazon credit card, right? That Amazon Chase, and you get 5X on Amazon Prime, right? Then your goals are slightly different. Or if you just want a 2% cash back card from Bank of America, then your goals are also very different as well. So you also have to think about what type of person are you and what do you care about? Um, and I think going back to that, Nerd Wallet or some of these tests online, quizzes online will allow you to really think through, are you a points person? Are you a miles person? Are you a cash back person? How simple, how complicated, how much time do you want to put into this? Or do you want to be like an R churning person, like the Reddit churning where it's like, I'm getting the best credit card all the time and I'm really maximizing all the value. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the benefits because I think that's obviously what attracts a lot of students to choose student credit cards. And, um, but some of these benefits are, I guess, seemingly really um, uh, uh, sort of, or just seem to be providing you with a lot of value or short-term value versus the long-term benefit like you were mentioning. But maybe we could talk a little bit more about sort of the differences between the benefits uh, out there. So there are obviously points or cashbacks and rewards. Um, How do you even, decide what will actually give you the most benefit. Um, yeah. So I guess before we start, in terms of just how credit cards are constructed, a little bit on the back end. So there are three broad categories. Well, I guess four if you include card art. And card art, just like how the card actually looks and feels. But in terms of the value that, that you get out of a card, there's really three categories. So the first one is the actual value proposition in terms of the reward. So are you getting points back? Are you getting cash back? That's kind of more your traditional rewards. Then secondly, there's benefits. And so benefits can be extended warranty, car insurance. Um, let's say with the Uber card, there's some sort of benefit that you get on Uber, for example, or the Amazon card, there's a benefit that you get when you use Amazon. So that's more in the benefits category. And then lastly, there's like perks and more, I would call it. So there's, if you go, for example, to the Visa, I think it's actually called perks and more. um, There's a bunch of merchant partnerships where if you use your Visa card, then you'll get 15% off this merchant or 20% off here. Um, So those are kind of the three broad categories. So in terms of what you are asking about, was there one that you were more interested in diving deeper into? In terms of the rewards? Well, in terms of the three categories of rewards, benefits, or perks, and more. Um, Actually, as you were talking, I just remembered my... That's actually interesting. One thing I learned from my mom, or I, I have observed over time, what she does uh, is that she has lots of these credit cards with different, you know, rewards or points or you know, benefits. One of maybe all three of these categories, and then different uh, deadlines by which you have to you know pay back all the money loan from the bank, and then she would time it so that she will maximize the value or benefits you will get from that particular credit card, or she would time it so that she could spend as much uh, as maybe that up to the 30% and then choose the other credit cards so that, you know, it's more balanced out versus just spending using one. So I think, yeah, that actually reminded me of, of that, which is quite a, then now it makes more sense because um, you will want to keep a lot of cards open and then sort of build up the, the credit that way. But yeah, um, let's see, we've talked about Can a Can I yeah. make a... a- point on that. So 
think that is interest. It's an interesting strategy because mm-hmm. it seems actually that what your mom was doing was maximizing the amount that the bank was le- loaning her via the right. credit card. Um, and she's trying to just delay the amount of time before she has to pay back Mm -hmm. in terms of, and I don't know your mom's situation, so please separate what I'm going to say from, I I don't mean to talk about her financial situation. Um, but in terms of best practices, paying your cards off in full on time every month is going to be the best thing for your credit score. And An APR, so I know we talked a little about that before this, but an APR, the rate at which the bank is loaning you money after one month, it only kicks in if you don't pay your card back. So if you are carrying a balance after the month, that's when then the bank will say, oh, we're going to charge you 24% on the remaining amount. So if you're paying your cards off in time, then you're able to take advantage of all of the rewards that you're getting, all of the benefits. The benefits are always on the card, regardless of whether or not you're using the card or not. So you can still, if you're getting a rental car, you pay with it with the card, and then you'll still have access to that benefit. So those are evergreen. And you're only earning rewards, obviously, when you're spending. Mm -hmm. But paying off in time every month is super important from a, a credit history, a credit score perspective, but also this is where you get people in kind of scary situations and this is the dark side of credit cards where you can get into debt pretty easily right if you let's say one month you're like oh okay i'll just not pay it off and the next month it builds and builds and builds and this is a, a big way that banks make money off of you right where it's like that's why they're offering you all of these things and all these perks because they want you to use it And so you just have to play the game and outsmart it and be like, you know what, I'm going to pay on time every month and I'm going to just suck you dry of your rewards and you're not going to make that source of income of money on me. Yeah, I think that is what she's doing. I think maybe I didn't explain it um, clearly is that she does track all the deadlines and try to pay full. Oh, she is. Um, Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. So that's totally a best practice then. I think it will be very ridiculous if she works at a bank and then does the wrong thing or you know waits until yeah so um but i wonder if you could talk about in the case where you cannot pay it off and then apr does kick in are there is that just like um you know there's no you know gray area where you can maybe negotiate with the bank because i think i've heard where you could call them and say oh why don't i um sacrifice uh, certain points or certain rewards in exchange of a lower interest rate. Is that true or something I have, else? in my five years working on the credit cards team, never have heard of Interesting. that. Okay. I don't know if, I, I just don't know, but I've never heard of that. My hunch is that that is very unlikely because once rewards have been dispersed to you, it's, I don't know how a bank would be able to take it back. What I have heard, and actually I have done personally, there was one month when I first started using my credit card that my auto pay didn't work for some reason. And so my my balance, trans- it carried over. And then I had obviously the APR kicked in and I freaked out. I was like, I'm financially responsible. I don't want this. So I actually called my bank. It was Chase. I called Chase and I said, hey, this is my first time this has ever happened. Do you mind making a one-time exception and letting me pay it off without the rate? And they said, yes. 
So a lot of times too, just calling them and speaking to that customer service representative and they, they see your behaviors. If they just see that it's only once or twice that you've, they're totally willing to waive that. So I think that was a great pro tip that actually my dad gave me. And I'm really glad because it saved me a few hundred bucks, which is nice. The second tip is if you're really in a bad situation, you can transfer, there, there's certain products called balance transfer cards, where basically you can take your balance from different credit cards and then move it to another credit card that has a lower rate. And then the third thing, which I think I would recommend the most out of this is, I've heard like crazy stories, but that have worked, literally freeze your credit card in an <laughs> ice block and put it somewhere where you can't use it or hide it or give it to your best friend and say, can you hide this from me until you pay that thing off? Because as I mentioned, it's like, it's so easy to get into the cycle of credit card debt. And once you're in it, it's really, it has mental, there, there are studies that like, it affects your mental stability when you're a ton of credit card debt, it affects your confidence and it can, I'm sure we've all heard that horror story. So the second you start going down a path, just stop using the card whatever way you can. And your biggest focus should just be paying that thing off and living within your means. That's interesting because I think the second and third strategies, uh, there I've I think I've never really heard of them. Uh, especially the one that you, where you freeze the credit card. It just sounds like, or at least my. Um, perception has always been that's a really terrible thing like you should never really start freezing your credit card um but let's talk about maybe uh start with the the third uh method which you highly recommended um how do you even oh when do you decide uh what's a good point you decide okay this is what i should do and how does that actually work you know whether you call them or do you have to I don't know, shows approve that you, you know, like, yeah, how does, how does that actually work? So it's actually kind of funny. So when I said freeze, I literally meant put it oh, in okay. water mean... in a freezer and <laughs> freeze it so you can't touch it. I see. But I... it's a good, I know what you're talking. Yeah. You can yeah. freeze your credit card and that you can temporarily snooze it. Right. So right, right. certain credit cards have companion apps where you can do it via an app or you can call your credit card company and just say like, can you freeze this? But I don't think that's necessary. I truly okay. meant physically keep <laughs> that thing out of sight and make it so you can't use it, which is why Got I it. mentioned like, give it to a friend or like give it to a trusted person. Just be sense. like, can you get this thing away from me until, yeah. So yeah, you should, that's funny. You should, to, just to clarify, you should not freeze the account when you are yeah. in a situation of um, you, where you can't pay off debt or you anticipate that you cannot pay off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if you necessarily have to go to the lengths of like freezing with your bank, but I just meant like put it in an ice block literally, or like just put it in a place where you can't touch it um, until you pay, pay it off. Cause it can get really scary really quickly. And I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but I think we all know that banks are doing very well and that's not by coincidence. A lot of people are in debt, unfortunately. And so just using credit responsibly and building those behaviors early and really trying to live within your means as much as you can is that's just the best practice. Mm-hmm. And then the second method you mentioned was transferring to a credit card that has a lower interest rate. 
How does that actually work? So you can look up balance transfer cards and the process will be laid out for you there. I don't know if I'll do it as mm-hmm. much justice and there's definitely considerations to think about as you choose even which balance transfer card, but that's, I've never personally done it. So this is why I'm saying I'm not super confident in this. So look this up as an option that exists. It's legitimate, but honestly, I would just say do option three, like don't touch it (laughs) until you pay it off and try to live within your means. I see. And then I think uh, on a related topic is about, uh, you you mentioned one one time you missed auto uh, transfer or auto pay. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you actually set it up with your savings account? Because I think that's a question that I have oftentimes is that I don't actually know the means you, um, uh, through which you sort of separate your savings and separate, uh, I guess separate your spendings from your savings. Um, because my current financial model is sort of just, you know, having the debit card with the, uh, a savings account and checking account where you we withdraw every time literally from the checkings and then transfer some money from the savings account to the spending right and I think uh, if I shift that from uh, if I move to the credit card model how would that differ and how do you actually set up that um, you know payment or or pay pay off basically yeah so this is actually super easy so when you get a credit card there's some sort of and you set up your online banking um there are just certain steps that you take and it's one of the prompts where do you want to set up auto pay or you can just go into your portal um and set that up so mm-hmm. it'll just ask you for your account number your routing number to your checkings account and then you'll be able to transfer the money automatically every month make sure you have the amount of money because it's going to automatically pull it and then you might have overdraft fees on your debit uh, in your checkings account right and you don't want that situation also so just mm-hmm. make sure you have enough in your account and that goes back to like living within your means is the best way to live yeah Yeah. and i think that uh, maybe this will be a separate podcast uh, episode on uh, savings and budgeting um, as it is very related to credit card spending because i think personally having a um i think with debit card you sort of sort of have to uh, withdraw from savings or shifting some money from savings to checkings and then with credit card you sort of could delay that maybe it'll be a different um it would change how you maybe budget too um and also yeah how do you even go about choosing a savings account i think that would be a like a separate topic yeah totally no there's and there are a ton of great resources online too especially when it comes to investment and saving um there's a great I, i've been hearing great things about elevest for example or there are definitely um a lot of great resources out there my kind of wheelhouse is more on the credit card space mm-hmm. so i don't feel very um very confident in talking about that i i can chat through at some point what i did in terms of my 401k and how exactly I kind of navigated that, but honestly, I don't think I'm a best practice there. And I myself am still learning to be completely honest. So yeah, it would, it would be so fun to do a podcast on that as we learn together and figure out what the best way to set all of that up is. Yeah. Um, I think that pretty much covers, um, all my questions. Yeah. We talked about a lot. (laughs) I know that was a lot. And then, uh, do you have maybe 
some last uh, minute comments or summary of some key maybe I could try to summarize some key takeaways that I've heard from you I'd love that of, that would be great yeah? yeah okay so I think um, first of all let's start with credit scores uh, obviously there's the resource on I believe capital one right that list out the things that or you could use the credit card um, the credit simulator on capital one to check your credit but most importantly to understand that what influences credit scores and how that relates to the first credit card slash secured card, I guess a subset of credit card that you choose. Um, and uh, learned a lot about secured card today and the uh, differences between the long-term and short-term benefits that you could get from secured card versus student card. Um, and how what are some of the best practices uh, when using a credit card or how to um, how much you should spend using the credit card um, and some of the myths like not to close the credit cards and not to spend all the way to the limit uh, things like that so hope I yeah summarized it. No, that was great yeah and I think in terms of just leaving you with a few tips that I wish I could go back and tell myself, but I'm happy that I can impart them onto you. Number one is that your credit is in your own hands and no one's really going to be looking out for you. Or if there's an inquiry that wasn't you, you really have to be proactive. So setting good behaviors in terms of monitoring, monitoring your own credit, the earlier you start, the better off you are. So I think that's the first one. Um, the second one is when it comes to a credit card, live within your means. And that is the easiest way, especially as you're starting off, because you see so many people, especially young women, getting into credit card debt. And by just realizing how much you're able to live on and being happy with that, I think is something that is really powerful. Um, and so really keeping that in mind. And lastly, not being afraid of using credit cards. So using credit cards with the annual fee or paying it off on time every month and just getting the rewards, you can make so much money. When I was working on the Chase Sapphire Reserve, on that card, in the first year when it launched, you could make up to, I think it was like $625 in the first year back just by using that card completely for free, wow. um, just by putting your spend on the card. So Credit cards can be very powerful financial tools and can give you a lot, but with great power comes great, you know, there's always a, yeah, there's another, um, the other side of that coin is that if not used properly, then it could be very detrimental. So do your research, find the advisors around you and if you have any questions or any of your friends, feel free to at any point, just contact me. I'll link my email out there and I would just love to help and places that I don't know I'm happy to connect you with some other smart women who have gone through this and might be able to speak more to those topics but I really appreciate you asking all of your questions just want to create a really safe space and kind of bust some of the myths yeah I really appreciate you ex taking the time to explain I think it definitely helps having someone to explain and ask all these questions um you know, in real time, because I think oftentimes finding out information online, you're inundated with the different, uh, with different sources and different information, and it gets just frustrating. And um, 
but I think this in this conversation style, it sort of things gets much easier, and, and a lot of the questions I had seem to be like very um, have very easy and obvious answers. So yeah, really thank you for your time and and uh, your explanation, and that definitely has helped me so much. And I'm always here anytime you need any help. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. Yeah.